Yeah, man, I like Dogfish at 60 minutes. I started fucking with a lot of this, um, started fucking with Dogfish real heavy about five years ago. Because yeah. I wasn't even, I wasn't really up on it, you know what I mean? On like, like, uh, IPAs like, or like nice beers? Like, well, I, I mean, I don't, like, I haven't, I stopped drinking bullshit beer in my 20s. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because my pop was really heavy on like really good beer. Don't drink bullshit beer. Yeah, rock gut, you call it. So early. yeah, like tears your stomach up. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't drink no. I haven't. I don't think I've had a malt liquor in years. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because it got to the point where that shit was tearing my stomach up, and I was it drinking is. that young. You know what I'm saying? It gives you crazy hangovers too. It makes that you feel too. like you're dying. That too. Like different. Like the nicer the alcohol, the less pain you feel. Like for me, that next day, my pop was like, "Nah, stop drinking that bullshit. If you're gonna drink shit, drink good shit." Same yeah. thing with records. If you wanna play music, play the good, play the good shit. shit instead yeah. of the bullshit. You know what I mean? So beers and records pretty much go hand in hand with me. You <laughs> yeah. Know what I mean? It gotta be that good shit. We met at Braytown Beats just now down the street. Right. You recruit you know, and your natural element, I seen you like when I was walking over just like looking at shit like how you probably do every goddamn day. Yeah. Uh yeah. How how do you know those guys from Braytown Beats? You just from Um Okay, the way I met Max I met Max through a mutual friend. Okay. I didn't know Max. I met Max when actually Brewerytown Beats was actually around the corner. Oh, yeah, on 29th Street. I met him through Steve. Steve Farrell. I met Steve Farrell. <laughs> I met Steve Farrell through Facebook, which is a little story. But all right, let me start. Let me all right. Let's start from the beginning. The way I met Steve, Facebook, same situation. He uh was on my page and. Then he, he inboxed me and was like, you know, you don't know me. My name is Steve, and I think you're a great DJ, and I wonder <laughs> if we could DJ together. And I'm like, that's some weird, creepy shit. Because I, I, I looked at his picture. I'm like, yo, this, who the fuck? You know what I'm saying? I don't know this dude I don't all. know this dude at all. And he's like, yeah, man. You, I mean, that shit is just weird. I usually don't respond to super off the cuff. Like, if I don't know you. I gotta go through your friends list and see if we have anybody in common. Yeah. So he was like, "Look, I know this sounds kind of awkward and strange and all that stuff, but I seen you, I seen your DJ stuff, right? And I, I dig it." And he was like, "Um, I know Scheme, so I call Scheme Richards, and okay. I've known Scheme since um since grade school. He and I Jeez. went to school together. Um, we both went to um, Winfield Academy, which was um like the first black private school in Philadelphia." And what I missed West Philly. That was in West. That was in West Philly. It was in Winfield. Okay. Um. Yeah, West Philly, pretty much. I um. I met him. I was in the fourth grade, and I think Scheme was like maybe in the sixth grade or some shit. But we just got real cool and stayed in touch. So I hit up Steve. Was like, Yo, you know this guy? I had no. I hit up Scheme. I was like, You know this this cat named Steve? He was like, Oh yeah, yeah, he's real cool. He's real cool. You know what I mean? You know. He said, Well, what's up? I was like, He reached out to me. To um to link up and he wanted to do a gig with me, he said, "Well, I played with you know Steve a couple of times. He's pretty cool." I'm like, "All right," so I hit him back, and he came out because I was at the time I was living in um Upper Darby, okay. And he came out to the crib, scooped me up. We went to go do this gig. We started chopping it up, and he doesn't drink. Oh, all right, but he <laughs> smokes. Okay, at the time I was still smoking. You know what I mean? So I'm like, all right. So I'm like, all right, regular weed. No, he got this work. So we smoke, and I'm like, oh, shit, this guy got some good shit. <laughs> and he got some cool records. So we got cool. We got like, really, feel your feet stuck to the ground and stuff. We got like, real, exactly. He, had this, he gave me this shit called Barry White. <laughs> I never heard of this shit before in my life, and that shit had me fucking gone. <laughs> you know what I'm That's saying? Crazy. And I'm like, okay, I can fuck with this guy. This guy's solid. After that, he, he and I started doing gigs. 
And that's when he said he was getting ready to start. Um, he was going to open back up. He was going to open up Sarah's place. He was going to be running it. And I was like, oh, I remember Sarah's place from back in the day. Yeah, I was, I was yeah. like, yeah, that was that was that that was that spot. You know what I mean? You couldn't come to Sarah's if you wasn't if you didn't know people. And this is like, yeah. if you didn't know folks back then, like Sarah's is one of the spots where if you didn't know nobody, you was gonna get fucked up in there. We was gonna get fucked up outside of there. <laughs> you had to know somebody. Yeah. And this is this is around the time when I was going in there. This was like maybe late nineties, two thousand. You know what I mean? The whole era of cash money and the the whole hustler era. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's when I was going in and out. Prior to that, like like in the early eighties and seventies, it was like that that cool bar. Yeah, and when you told me your that was your grandmother's spot, that was my grandmother's spot. I yeah. was like, my wow, great, my great grandmother. Right, I Sarah. was like, that's crazy. You know what I'm saying? But moving forward, that's um, where I came home from the hospital. That when my mom gave birth to me, I went back to the bar. I was above the. Bar. <laughs> that's <laughs> crazy. I grew I grew up in that place. Above, I remember the bar. when we um, we started when we when we met online. Yeah. You said that, and I was like, damn, that's crazy. But I met um. I met Max Steve, and Steve had just opened a, a record store across the street. Yeah. And Steve had just started working on Sarah's place, like fixing up and size and all that. So he was like, yo, it's this cool record, spot, record store. Um, I want you to come check it out. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll go down there. I met Max, and he knew his records. Real thorough cat. And he was like, yeah, I, you know, I heard you know a few people, and... I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I know Cash and Jeff. See, I don't, I don't like the name drop, cause that's kind of sucker to me. Yeah. But, yeah, he was like, I heard you know some folks. I'm like, yeah, you know, I know some people. I said, you know, you got a dope spot, so I start spreading the word. Like, yo, Cash is a nice spot. Jeff is a dope spot. Yeah. Um, all the like Deep Creek cats. Um, Soul Man. Um, Soul Buck. Uh. These are great names, by the way. Um, Soul Man. Yeah, That's Phil Phil Strowman. It's like one of the illest cats ever. His um he put out a few records in the in the in the eighties and the nineties under the um, moniker Phil Most Chill. Okay. But he's known as the Soul Man. Like his collection is bananas. He sold records to like some of the biggest artists in hip hop, like That's producers crazy. and all that stuff. And he's he he'll you could actually catch him just in a store. You would not know who he is. He's just like a regular cat. His last name Strowman. His name is Strowman. I went to school with a kid. His last name was Strowman. Maybe Phil, that's his, maybe that's Phil, his pop. Phil Strowman. His kid's name's Curtis. Maybe. Phil Strowman, the soul man. That's my guy <clears throat> right there. But um, yeah, I met Max. We got really tight. He started holding records for me. Oh, okay. Um, How does that work? Holding records. You he, know what? he like gets something in and he's like, this is something He'll call that I know me. You. He'll yeah. call me and he'll be like, yo, I just got some shit in. Come through. Or I'll, or I'll go in there and be like, look, I need this. I need, I need this. Hold these for me. I'm copying these now. But see, most of the time, if I go in the store, I'm going to drop 100 or better. I'm a junkie with this shit. Okay. This record shit. You know what I mean? Is that like... So some records might be, because they're rare, they'll be like 50 bucks. Some might be like three dollars. Mm-hmm. You talking about like you going there? You're like I'm going. I don't care how much it is, but I'm gonna spend this much. Nah, 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 nah. Cause see, the thing is, you got that's 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 it's like with the the whole collection, collecting and digging. See that that dig. I hate that term. The whole digging. collecting thing. Yeah. But I mean, let's just okay. It is what it is. The whole digging. Well, thing. digging isn't digging is when you're about to use the records for something specific, like when you nah. like uh, making is, songs or something. No, what it what the whole digging term. And it's, it, it people started calling, cause what what you're doing you're you're record shopping. When yeah. people say they're going digging, they're going record shopping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still say I'm going record shopping. Digging became like the end thing when everybody started doing it. Like the people who started calling it digging in the crates was actually Diamond D, Showbiz, and AG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was their crew. Those are my digging, guys. In, digging, digging in the crates. crates. So everybody else started calling Little it digging. Yeah, right, yeah, that's we're my going guy. digging. We're going digging, and I. I just, it's kind of like the whole thing, like breakdancing. I hated that because it was yeah, no such just, thing as like it's b-boying. Yeah. It's no breakdancing, it's b-boying. You know what I mean? But the the commercial term for it became breakdancing. 
So that's kind of like what digging became for record collecting or record shopping. Yeah. So yeah. that's what it is. When people say, I'm going digging, I'm like, oh, okay. Had that other rap group too, uh, Loot Pack from uh, yeah. West Coast. And yeah, it's, I mean, all it's, and it's, it, it's all, it all ties into... It's all one family tree. You know what I mean? Um, <clears throat> with me, when it goes comes to digging, that's so weird for me to say because I never say that. When it comes for me to digging... Um, I do have my limits. Like, I know, like, first of all, I know the background history of records. Yeah. So I know what I'm going to buy. I know when I go in the store, I know what I'm buying. You can't hustle me. Hmm. Because a lot of times, cats will sell records on the strength of a sample. There's different phases you go through when you're collecting. You go through your breakbeat phase where you're chasing nothing but breakbeats. Nothing but drums, okay. nothing but popular breakbeats. Like, it's just begun, Apache. Bob James. Bob James. Yeah, exactly. Mardi Gras, Nautilus. Yeah. You know what I mean? All these breakbeat records, you chase those because you want to have all the obvious breaks. Yeah. Okay, bam. That's the first phase. Then you go through a drum phase. We just buying nothing but drums. This is like the <laughs> okay. this is the producer's ear. You're buying nothing but drums. No matter what oh, it that is, sounds Ill. it got Give a drum. That. Give me that. You know what I'm saying? Then you go through the phase of the cover phase. The cover phase is, oh, shit, if it's got a white dude with an afro on it, it got to have some <laughs> shit on it. You know what I'm saying? Or anything with an afro on it, you got to buy it. Okay? White dude with an afro? Anything with a white dude with an afro. If it got five white dudes on there and like three of them got an afro, yo, it's some shit on that record, guaranteed. It's some, gar- it's some shit on Or like That's anything crazy. with like a, 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 a naked chick on there. It's yeah. some shit on there. I got an Earth on the Fire joint, and then the one of the album covers has a, a naked chick on it. So somebody probably is like, oh, I got to copy. You got to copy. <laughs> then you weird. go through the um, you go through the um, what they call the producer phase. You if all right, okay. Some of my favorite producers: Lars Professor, um, DJ Premier, yep. uh, Paul C, who taught Lars Professor, um. DITC, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pete Rock, Eric Sermon. He's so fucking underrated. Yeah, man. he's really underrated. Um, because his ear is incredible. His ear is incredible. He has an incredible ear. Yeah. For music, not just for sampling, but for music. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then you got um, you got the later cast that I like, like um, Dilla. Yeah, we were talking about Dilla. I love. Uh, that's Mad my favorite. Lib. That's my favorite guy. Mad Lib. Mad Lib is man. a fucking nutcase. Genius. Even Doom a little bit. Doom. Doom is dope because Doom has no limits and no boundaries. Which is what I kinda like about Dilla and Mad. They don't give a fuck what they say. They don't care what they what they listen to. They just it's just like one great big crazy smokish boy. But if I had to Like when uh Mad Lib had that whole like Bollywood era when he was doing those But that's what makes (laughs) that shit dope because it's like I went through that phase when I was younger, when I first started making beats and shit like that. Before I started actually touching the machines, I always knew what records went with each other because I DJ. So I'll be like, all right, sample this, sample this, sample this, sample this. And this was, I was like maybe in the, what grade was I in? I was in the ninth grade. Oh, damn. I was in the ninth grade. Still very young. You, we were talking before we uh, started the podcast, mm-hmm. and your first DJ set was when you were nine years old. I was in the third grade. That's crazy. First first gig, I got 50 bucks. You couldn't tell me $50? shit. $50? Couldn't tell me shit, bro. Jeez. I got 50 bucks. I was in the third grade. I'm like, yo, records. I'm the- we out. <laughs> we out. That's all. Because, I-, I mean, growing up as a kid, when your father has an ill record collection, he works for one of the biggest record distributors in Philadelphia, which was Universal Records. Okay, yeah. He used to be at 919 North Broad Street. That used to actually be a um the first building that, Gambling Huff had that was their first studio, okay. And um, history. They um recorded it's a it's a super rare album that everybody's chasing by a group called the Ambassadors. The Ambassadors. And the name of the album is called Soul Summit. The picture, the cover picture was taken on the art museum steps, but the album the, the album itself was recorded in my father's office. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. And the big record off of there that everybody... It's a great album, but the standout song is a song called Ain't Got the Love, Pete Rock. I Ain't Got the Love. That's where the sample came from. But that's a Philly record. That's crazy. That's a record that motherfuckers are paying like four, five hundred for... 
I'm not doing that shit. <laughs> I'm not doing that shit. There's records that I really want that are super expensive, and I'm like, for what? Now, granted, that's a super rare album. I have my father's copy. I have an acetate of that album, and I have my Damn. copy. But okay. I have my, I got my copy when I was like 17. Jeez. So I still have those. Like the acetate and my father's copy cannot leave my mother's house. She don't oh, play dang. that shit. She don't play that shit. She like, nah, mm. I know what's in here. Nah, that can't leave here. You got your own copy. That can't leave here. Now, I show it off. I've taken pictures and held it up. Yeah. But I can't leave the house. She'll fuck my shit up. That's like uh, the crib with me that. with my great-grandmother, Sarah. She has a bunch of, what are the, it's 12 inches, and what's the smaller ones? Seven? 45s? Yeah. Or the 45s, there's, there's 45s and there's 78s. 78s is stuff like um, Billie Holiday. Yeah. Good stuff, but really doesn't, it's, it's, it doesn't sell. She has a bunch of records that if I ever, like, if she smelled me in her china cabinet trying to take them off the bottom, I it's would. It's a problem. I get popped with the 38. For she real. pop me. You're not, you look, man, it's the same shit with my kids today. Any woman or any woman I've ever dealt with, I'm like, yo, talk to my mother. Talk to my mom. My mom's will tell you he don't give a fuck. Fuck his clothes up. <laughs> yeah. Fuck his clothes Burn his up. Sneaks. Burn his sneaks. You can't really fuck with my sneaks, but I'll take that on the chin. Yeah. But my mom used to be like, yo, don't, don't touch, touch that motherfucker's records. records. <laughs> don't touch his fucking records. Cause sweetheart, I can't do nothing for you if you if you fuck with his records. Yeah. He ain't coming back. For real, just relocate. <laughs> relocate. Don't fuck with his records. But um, where were we? I think we were. I forget, man. God damn. Sway the show. It's just the first beer. Um, this first beer. This is my second. Um, or one and a half. Where the fuck were we at? We were going through. We were. I think we were in the record phase. Record phase. Oh yeah, 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 record yeah, yeah, phase. yeah. You, you right. want dr- uh, break beats, drums, right? And I went. It's, it's all right. Okay, now <clears throat> back to the producers. Following producers. So you go through the phase of whatever. If you like Dilla shit, right? Yeah. You're chasing down every sample Dilla ever ever put out. Okay. You go through that phase, okay? Hmm. Um, and then you go through a, then that's kind of one phase. Then you start learning how to shop for yourself, okay? So now you're going through the phase of just like, just listening to records and going through like, damn, this is dope. Damn, this is I can sample this. I can sample this. Hmm. So you're going through the sampling phase slash collecting phase. Is that something where like when you're sampling? Are you looking for something that sounds like someone else, or are you trying nah. to cre- you trying to create your own thing? See, that depends on if if you if you a goofy man, if you a real goofy, you know what I'm saying, and you following what everybody else is doing. Yeah. Now you're trying to sound like Dilla. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Nah, <clears throat> but a lot of people do that because they figure Dilla has hits. I can do the same thing Dilla does, and boom, I'll have an instant hit. That doesn't work. That's <laughs> doesn't like work. that's like just because. Let's just, let's just say the Neptunes, who was super major. Yes. Super major. Still dope as shit, but super major at one point in time where everybody was chasing down Neptunes records. Just because you got a Neptune song does not mean you're going to have a guaranteed hit. Because a lot of people use Neptune shit and it was not sounding good. Same thing with Premier. Same thing with Pete yeah. Rock. Same thing with Dilla. It doesn't guarantee you a hit. You got to come up with your own thing. Exactly. And that's, if you peep, what makes Dilla's gen- what makes Dilla a genius is he changed the sound of his music every time he felt somebody copying his shit. When, they, when he started doing the offbeat drums and shit, and everybody started doing that, what did he do? He started doing house music. Then he started doing um, elect- elect- electronic shit. Yeah. Dilla was all over the place. That's what made him so fucking dope. But if you if you peep his record collection, that's where it came from. The song yeah. MC Squared is a disco record, B. I love that. That's one of my favorite beats too. But if you and put one it, of Common's best verses. If you put it on, if you put it on, if you put it on the right speed, which is 33, because he slowed that shit down so much. Yeah. If you put it on the right speed, it's fast. It's a disco record. It is. It's like that weird Pakistani dude, too, right? right? Giorgio, Giorgio, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's it's really such a it's song. such a common record. But he made but see what Dilla sampling it, it shot the price of that record through the fucking roof because now mm. everybody wants the record. So now the, now dealers are like, okay, Jay Dilla used this. 
It's I ten can, times what it used to I be. Can, I can, I can. It don't have to. It's not. It's not gonna be five dollars no more. Now it's gonna be fifty. Yeah. I found my shit for a dollar. <laughs> I found my shit for a dollar. You I guess that's one of like the fun parts of digging in the, or. Excuse me for using that term. It's digging cool, <laughs> is when is when you have a record or you you scoop the record a couple weeks or years or whatever before it became something where like now if you went to a store, dudes are asking unreasonable ass prices or are they just trying to like capitalize off of the hype around MC Squared or and you just like hit it on the head. That's what it is. That's dudes what it to is. Capitalize. Because at one point in time when there were record shows and shit like that, when there were record shows, um. You would go in there and tell like if you was if you you were cool with the dealers. Yeah. You call them motherfuckers up like yo, what you bringing? Okay. Everybody can't do that. You call them up like yo, what you bringing? And we're like, oh, I'm bringing this, that, and the third. So what you would do is you meet them. You'd get to the hotel where the where the joint is gonna be at. My man. Um, you meet them at the hotel a day prior before the setup. And you get downstairs before the record show starts. So you got first hands on everything. Mm. I learned that shit from DJ Cash Money. Do not show up to an event at the last minute on some star shit. Because you're going to lose. You're going to lose. It's like showing up to a party last minute. I'm not just going to walk in there on some styling shit. I'm trying to get there early. Yeah, One, yeah. I want to see. Two, I want to be comfortable. Yeah. Same thing with record shows. Yo, you get to the record, if it's a record show and that shit starts at fucking, if it starts at fucking uh, at 10, you supposed to be downstairs at 6 o'clock when they bringing the fucking shit through the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you you, you want to be making that connection to right. people so that and they know. And what you do is you pay that if 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 the, if the record show is like, if they charging like 10 to get in, you pay the motherfuckers 25 so you can slide in earlier. That's twenty five dollars, but you gotta you gotta jump on everybody. Hmm. So if you scoop all the good shit, by the time that everybody else is scooping the leftovers, okay. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's my thing. That's why, like, I go to I go to I go to record shops on awkward days. I go to record shops according to the weather. Okay. If it's so cold as shit, nobody's coming to fuck out. <laughs> nobody's coming. To, if it's raining, nobody's I got the coming. whole store to myself. <laughs> Go let it rain on a Wednesday. I'm going to call out of work. I'm calling out of work, and I'm gonna hit about six record stores. Damn. I'm gonna hit about six. Nobody's stores. there. Nobody because nobody's in your way. You motherfuckers just... are scared of rain and snow. Man, fuck all that. Like it's. I, I got, need this record. I got boots and this records. <laughs> you know what I'm saying as long as I got a coat and boots and sanitizer and a face mask. Okay. Yo, send me in the basement. I've 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 dug in some of the weirdest fucking places like basements where you know you. Fucking mice might be running around and shit. And I don't do rodents. But nine times out of ten, if you go in that old weird basement, it's some real dope shit down there. But you just yeah. have to have the patience. Now, what I don't have the patience to do, and this is so crazy, I don't have the patience to look through 45s. I don't. Why you I that? wish. I don't know. I guess because what it's just. What is it about it? It's just, there's so many of them motherfuckers. <laughs> you know what I'm it saying? It just takes way too it long. It just takes way too I can flip through records. Yeah. All day. 45s. Yeah, okay. I know guys who can go through 45s all day. I can't do it. I've tried. I just like, yo. I'll be like, yo, pick out, pick some shit out for me. Okay. If you see some shit, let me know. Unless it's something I'm familiar with. Like, if I go if I go to Brewery Town, Max will pull out a stack, and I can go through a few stacks. The way I go through bins of records, I know cats can go through boxes of 45s. I can't do that. I so, can't do that. I wish I could, because some of the dopest shit is on 45. It's on 45. Some of the dopest shit. So just to clarify, there are certain things that you can get specifically just on 45, and there's certain things that you can get more, most likely on 12-inch, right? Yeah, because some things weren't... You got to remember, like, it's, at one point, a lot of things weren't released on, on, on LPs. Yeah. You know what I mean? So... They were all a lot of forty fives. Like back in like in the sixties and stuff like that, no one was really playing LPs at parties. They were all playing forty fives because the old turntables were set up where you you, know, you have a whole stack and you had an arm thing to lock and it would drop a record mm. and drop another record. It wasn't like yeah, two turntables, yeah, yeah. so you have a stack of forty fives where they was promoting that single. Yeah. So the forty fives were more popular. Like, Listen to this new Elvis song or whatever. Right, and, and it, it you dropped the forty five would drop. You know what I'm saying? Mm. 
with an LP, you nobody at a party, you ain't got it wasn't two turntables. So if you who got time to search through the the joint to get to that specific song, so they would they would put out an album, but then they would have a forty five for you know singles. singles and listening pleasure for the radio, the house parties, and all that cool shit. Is that what LP means? Long play. Long oh, play. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. Let me get a cigarette too. Nice. Um we were talking earlier before we started the show about how you first got into DJing and right. that whole world. Uh if you don't mind just like kinda going over that again. Sure. Um Like when did you first realize that music was like when did you fall in love with music? My pop, man. My pop. That that cat was the shit. You know what I mean? For me, growing up, you know what I mean, in a household we had both your parents and cool shit like that. Um, my dad was collecting in his teenage years. And really? my mom supported that, which was so dope. Like when my father went away to the service, my mom had a um this yo, I'm I'm really dating myself. My mom worked at Bell Telephone as okay. a teenager. <laughs> all right, so we yeah. talking like well, I'm sure your motherfucker's like, what the fuck is Bell Telephone? It's a bunch of teenagers who don't know what Bell Telephone is. So, Bell is Telephone was the phone company in Philadelphia. I remember the commercials with James Earl Jones. Exactly. Yeah. All right, well, Bell Telephone was like a, a phone company in Philadelphia at the, like back in the day. Yeah. Um, My father was in the service, and my mom used to work there. Well, my mom would do her paycheck. When she would get paid, she would send my father six of the latest everything. Okay. So whatever her paycheck was, she would get him like maybe two soul records, two mm. jazz records, two rock records, and send them to him. So we had his collection continued to grow while he was in the service. Wait, he was over there. He was over there. And he yeah, had it. my mom in, like, was just Vietnam or something. Well, my father was. He didn't. My pop was not in Nam, but he was in the Air Force. Okay. He's so why he was like doing his? Why he was stationed? Yeah. Well, he had rec- my mom sent him records. He would get mail every month with like a bunch she of cool records. My mom would just send him a package. That's beautiful. You man. know what I'm saying? So she 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 not only co-signed what he was about, she embraced it and supported one hundred percent. So I came I'm I'm a product of that. I'm yeah. a product of that. So growing up, that's all would I she would she take you with her to like uh go to the record shops yeah. and like check stuff out? Well no, actually no 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 no. That's 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 not true. That did not happen because at the time I wasn't born. Oh. I was born. I was born in seventy one. Okay, okay, okay. She didn't move to Florida where he was stationed until nineteen seventy. Mm. Okay, okay. seventy one. I was born. My first concert was in Florida. Um, my first concert and first movie. My first movie was Shaft. That's fucked <laughs> up. They told me to see fucking Shaft. I still have the um. The fucking marquee poster and shit. Jeez. I said that my From pop was, Yeah, my pop um my pop was That's like crazy. my pop was like, This is my son's first movie. Can we get that? They were and like, they just like, yeah. They were like, Wow, that's kinda cool. All right. They I still got the poster and shit. But getting That's back really to the dope. music thing, um yeah. I would just watch my father just playing records. And I'm like, This shit is so dope. Cause you know how people grew when they grew when people ask you like what were your influences growing up and shit. Everybody pretty much has the same. Oh yeah, Motown was always played in my house. Man, I ain't never hear no Motown records in my wow. house. Why never? Not? Because my see the thing is, it wasn't a diss. My father was a lover of jazz music. Okay. So my foundation is jazz. I grew up listening to Art Blakey. I grew up listening to Charlie Parker. I grew up listening to Max Roach, mm. um, Coltrane, Pharrell Saunders. Melvin Sparks, Grant Green. Melvin Sparks, I love that guy. You know what I'm saying? Um, um, Idris Muhammad. You know what I mean? I grew up listening to Ahmad that. Jamal or Ahmad like Jamal, that. Lee yeah. Morgan. You know what I'm saying? Clifford Brown, Miles Davis. All these people. This is the shit I I grew up listening to, and we're talking about a kid like two, three years old. Yeah, that's all you knew. That's all I knew. I mean, I heard soul shit, but jazz was like heavy in the house. Yeah. But my father's kind of. I'm kind. I'm like my father so much because. I never, my father never played the obvious songs. His whole thing was what everybody else is listening to, I'm going to fuck with this over here. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's crazy. So when we moved back to Philly, my pop started um, working for Universal Records, the record distributor. Actually, no, he, um, my uncle had a record store in Princeton, New Jersey. All right. Um, and he, had a, he also had a record store in, in Winfield. 
And um, excuse me. My pop started working for Universal Records, record distributor. And my pop had stock in Third Street Jazz when it first opened. Wow. So the guy, guy named, real cool Jewish guy named Jerry. I haven't seen him in years. <laughs> Jerry. It's a very Jewish Called name, him Uncle, he was like, him and my dad were real tight. To the point where I called him Uncle Jerry. That was my guy. I wish I, I wish I knew what that cat was. Mm. Um, but my dad would just buy every day. He was bringing records home every single day. It was not one day my pop in. My pop came in the house with two things: a six pack and records. <laughs> records every, every fucking day. day. They were, I, I saw nothing but records. So I started learning how to appreciate records, play records. Listen to records, hear records. You're like acquiring a taste for music. Exactly. That other kids weren't. Nah, because it's like for me, um, when I went to sleep, I may I may go to sleep to Sunra. And okay. I may wake up to Donald Bird. You know? So this is what I heard, but then again, the soul shit my dad was playing was dope shit, but it wasn't the shit you always heard on the radio. It wasn't the singles. It wasn't you know what, what everybody else was. So my dad was like Mr. B-side cuts. So I used to watch him go back and forth with the turntables and just like watch him work the reel to reel. Where was the turntable set up? Like in the living room? My pop had a set up in, he had, all right, put it like this. He had a, he had a, he had a component set. <laughs> They're not going to know what that is either. Oh, he had no. a, a component set is, is, is when you have, um, it has everything. It has an eight-track player in there. Oh, okay. It's everything. You got the radio, turntable. The one they tell you not to touch. Right. Okay. The thing that <laughs> with the, the closed lid yeah, and all yeah, that, yeah. that's a component set. Okay. My father had a component set upstairs in the living room, but he had a he had a rig. His, his DJ rig was in the basement. There were records upstairs. There were records in the dining room. There was records in the basement. Records everywhere. But that's all I saw. Yeah. I would watch him and just just be amazed. Like he would work that, and then watch him make tapes for people, and watch how he worked, learn how to work the reel to reel. Make tapes for people, like his friends and stuff. They would be yeah. like, "Yo, like, like you... I need, I want you, you know, like they, you know, because my my dad, I'm 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 a junior. Okay, so they would call him Big Kurt, because okay. that's my middle name. Yeah, it's yeah. very rare that pe- only on Facebook people call me Phil, and that's so weird. I'll yeah, be like, I feel that way. Too. I tell you, but I'm like, yo, just call me Black. Yeah, all, all my friends, my first name's Anton. None of my friends really call me that. Right. Anybody who really knows me call me calls me like Sweet Dog or whatever dumb nickname I've gotten. You know, Spider. A bunch of bull- <laughs> just dumb nick- nicknames I've picked up over the years. Like a lot of people only know me as that nickname and not right, my actual right, name. Right. Right. It's kind of crazy. But just watching him and studying this, watching like the timing. Because my dad, like, we're talking the 70s. There so wasn't no scratching and shit. No. Wasn't none of that going on. But the whole thing with my father was all about timing and blending records. And I'm like, how's he making this record link to this record where it's, it's continuous? Yeah. It's, they, like, seamless. Like, you can't even really Right. Tell. And I'm like, they don't do that on the radio. And I'm like, I'm like, Dad, how, how do you, like, he said, it's all about timing. You got to know your records. You have to learn to listen to your records. When you buy your records, listen to your records. Yeah. And... That's been that. That's something that stuck with me to this day. Listen to your records, cause you fuck around, have a record right for a number of years, and you didn't listen to it. You bought it for one specific cut, right? Yeah. Let's just say Dilla sampled something, okay, and you're like, oh shit, I gotta find that record. Boop, 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 boop. And you run it, you chase the record down. Guess what? You had the record all along. Why? Yeah. Why didn't you notice? Because you didn't listen to your records. (laughs) You have to listen to your records. A good DJ listens to his records. He studies his... It's it's like being a musician. Yeah. It's like being a musician. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I used to just watch him in amazement, and he would take me to parties with him. You Mm, know what I mean? When when was the first party you went to? Do you remember? The first party I went to with him? Yeah, with him. That I remember? I think I was like six. Hmm. I think I was like about six. It was... I know. You asked... Nah, man, back in the 70s, motherfucking black parents just took their kids everywhere. <laughs> no babysitters, fuck out of here. No babysitters, fuck it, take the, ki- take the kid with you. Go stand in the- There's going to be some go- other kids there. Yeah, hang out in Stick all the motherfuckers in the room <laughs> and don't come downstairs. You get a soda, you might be able to sneak down the steps and look down, get the yeah. fuck back upstairs, that kind of shit. So I'm okay. a 70s kid, you know what I okay. mean? Okay. Afros, dollar joints, and, and you know, 
old granddad drinking whiskey shit. You know what I mean? That's cool, cool shit. That's cool as shit. Cool <laughs> shit. So I remember um, this one specific party. My pop did, and it was with a guy named um, Brother Greg. Brother Greg's turntable broke. My father had a reel to reel. He ran back to the party, which I believe was in, in Jersey. Ran back to Philly, got his turntable, got a bunch of reels, shitload of records. And he set me up on a crate and was like, he was giving me records. Let's play that record. Play that record. Okay. Play that song right there. And everybody's like, look at this little boy. <laughs> and I mean, I'm short now. So you can imagine how, how short I was. was I mean, so it was like, it was like, um, wow. He actually knows what he's doing. And I'm looking at him. My dad be like, the next record. <laughs> And oh, do, do you think a lot of that stuff was from him teaching you or you just watching? I like, just, just watched him. I, man, I, you just I, peeped. Yo, I used to study everything. I, I learned how to dress watching this dude. Wow. You know what I mean? I would just watch him come home from work, and he would come home, and he would lay out like three pairs of slacks and then throw three shirts down, and he'd pull out three three ties, and he'd throw out three rows of shoes. And then he'd be like, okay. I ain't doing that. And they snatched those way and throw a pit. Just like the way he just laid his shit out. I'm like, this motherfucker's serious about everything. <laughs> everything, yeah. Then he tried on like the coat. This ain't the right coat. All right, perfect example. You remember, you seen Juice, right? Of course, yeah. The way Q was getting dressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what my pop would do. 30, 40 minutes in the mirror. Just, just sitting there. <laughs> but, I mean, it was all about like you had to look good and sound good. And everything, like even the way this motherfucker would, I would just stand there and pretend to learn how to shave watching this motherfucker. Everything he did, I would emulate. So the DJ shit, I would just study this guy. I study how he walked. I study how he carried himself, how he talked. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? He taught you how to like do the, your thing. Everything. How to be a man. Every, be, exactly. That's why I, said, I tell people, like when people talk about, you know, I, I, my idols, my idols were <laughs> Richard Roundtree, the original chef. Okay. Uh, Julia Serving. The man, yeah, the doctor. Um, Langston Hughes, John Jeez. Coltrane, and my father. Those are the five people I that's idolize. A, that's a great top five. <laughs> it fucks cool. everybody when I tell me, like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah. And they were that's like, a great why? Top five. I'm like, why? I said, because all these motherfuckers were just cool as shit. Yeah. Every last one of them was cool as shit, and they all dressed real dope. N- naturally were, cool, too. Nothing forced. Exactly. But- and. And they were dope at what they did. You know what I'm saying? And they were cool at what they did. So that's why those five are my, those are the cats that I idolize. You know what I'm saying? But watching my dad at this party, and I'm like, the reaction of the women and everybody else, and they're dancing and cheering him on and like, yeah, go ahead and all that shit. I'm like, yo, that's what I want to do. I want to do that shit. Yeah. And I would just go downstairs and just fuck around with the equipment, fuck around with the equipment. That led up to um, um, the knowledge of the music um, that I know. Like, it's not just about me being a DJ. I study this shit like religion. Yeah. Like, I read very heavy. My parents not only had me, they had me reading very early at a, like, I was reading Downbeats, like, five, like down, Downbeat magazines, like, I was a kid, you know what I'm saying? Five, six years old, reading Downbeats. And uh, my father had, everything was card catalog. And my mom is big on penmanship. So I used to have to write every record he bought in the house, the title, the um, the name of the artist, the title, the label, the number, uh, the all the, the personnel, yeah. the song, everything. Like the year and stuff. The year, all this shit. Because my pop was also about order. Everything had to be in order. Everything. If it was a record missing out of his collection, he knew. <laughs> he would. He could just look like. This is Charles Early missing out of my out of my collection. Did you touch my records? Wow. And did you take that Charles Irwin? Or yeah. were you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he yeah. just knew like that? Like my pop would just he could he's just, down there for ten minutes. He could, he could and he was walk like, in his house. Right. It's, it's, I, I do that now. Yeah. I can look at my collection like, who is fucking with my records? <laughs> Who's touching my shit? Who is touching my fucking records? You know what I'm saying? And he used to be like, you know, he was dead on that shit, but that's where my penmanship comes from. That's where my knowledge of music comes from. They had me heavy doing that kind of shit, other than just sitting baby. in front of just sitting in front of the television. 
When did you uh, realize that your music knowledge was different from a lot of your friends? When my father used to take me to the bar. Okay. My Ag- pop used to take again, me. Again, take your kids everywhere. Take me to the bar. He would go to the bar and he'd be like, ask my son anything. Ask him anything. <laughs> ask him anything. And they'd be like, well, who's Coltrane's personnel? And I'm like six or seven. I'm like, I'm like, okay, there's Jimmy Garrison on bass, there's Elvin Jones on drums, and there's um, McCoy Tyner on piano. And depending on the album, depending on the album, Coltrane's either playing alto or soprano sax. If it's if it's my favorite things, the original is he's playing soprano, and he's playing alto on summertime. And they're like, the fuck, like give him some money. <laughs> Pay him. Pay my kid. You know what I mean? So that was the cool shit by hanging out with my pop. You know what I mean? My pop didn't hang in the bar. He would go to the bar, <laughs> just get get his two pickles, and get a six-pack back to the crib. Damn. But I went everywhere with him. Like, our, the, our, my fondest memories of my father were the weekends. Saturday and Sunday, we would go. He would wake up. He'd make me breakfast, and we'd be out. We'd be record shopping the entire day. And then we hit Fat Jack's comic book store. Mm, okay. So, bam, that was our day. It's like we hit about, we go up and down the pipe, chasing down records. Then we go to the records. Then we go to the comic book store, and then we go eat. And this is, you know, very early adolescence. You're talking about four or five up until, like, well, your, I was te- like, well, your teenage years? well, well, when I was doing a record shop with him, it was like I was about five and six. Okay, okay, okay. You know what I mean? It was just, that's what we did. Like, if it was a Friday night, and he was like, we're out, I knew where we were going. We were going to his friend's disco's house. This guy had, the, like, greatest 12-inch collection. And he had the most incredible sweet soul collection, but his rock collection was bananas. Okay. His rock collection was bananas, and we would just sit there and it was co- like a, it was like a coworker of your dad's. Or no, something? he was what he did was he met my father working through rec, uh, Universal. Okay. And Disco would come down, and his real name was Jeff, but he would big fat dude named they called him Disco because he always had he had a shitload of Disco twelve inches, so they called him Disco. Plus, he was a DJ. He used to come down Universal and buy a bunch of records mm. over the counter. He got real cool with my dad. My dad got real cool with him. And he worked for Nabisco. So going oh, to Disco they... House means cookies. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Lots of fucking cookies. <laughs> so while they're getting fucked up, drinking beer and drinking fucking Jack is. Daniels, I'm like ODing on fucking Oreos <laughs> and fucking Nutter Butter cookies, all that weird shit. Four, I'm coming home. I'm sick as shit. My mom mad. I was like, well, how come we won't eat dinner? I don't give like, a fuck. My pop like, ah. He's all right. Don't worry about right. it. Give him, give him, I come in the crib. I got Oreos like a motherfucker. Chips. Are, I'm, I'm fucking sick as shit. But next day, great, next day we out. We going to the record store. And that was our that was our thing. Like, I guarantee like, my pop, he passed me. He was 45, unfortunately. Okay. And Sorry to hear that. It was like he didn't get to see me when I was at my peak. You know what I mean? He died right before my son. My son, Davon is 22. He died right before Davon was born. So he only got a chance to meet two of his grandsons. Okay. You know what I'm saying? But he passed. Well, actually, that's not true either. That's not true. He passed away right before that because two of my sons are not my biological like I said earlier yeah. I don't believe in stepchildren so he actually passed right before uh, he passed a year before his grandson actually was born so but with me and my dad that was our thing we we went to the record stores every single I mean it's in, it's not like he didn't have records yeah. he bought records home every day he worked yeah. like the cool thing about working at that record distributor was for him we had records before they hit the street so we'd have records like two weeks to a month before anybody else. Yeah, and then what, what was the uh, new stuff is only released on like a Tuesday or something? Yeah. So you would have stuff like 10 days earlier. I would have that stuff. shit 10 days prior. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like all the Earth, Wind & Fire, Stevie Wonder shit, all that, 
That shit was already in the crib. I already knew about <laughs> it. Perfect example. When Run DMC first dropped Peter Piper, I had that shit a month before everybody. God damn. That's crazy. Before, I had that shit a month before everybody. And that's a, that's a, a legendary, that's a banger. Exactly. And you it's, already know all the words. All your friends is like, how you know this that, thing? Like, my pop, I remember, yo, we jumping all over the place. I remember my father bringing me this fucking record home. He was like, he was like, uh, I got this record today. It's fucking uh, Public Enemy. You want this shit? <laughs> oh, shit. He wasn't big in a rap when rap started like Gotta get emerging? to that. I'm going to okay, get to okay, that. Okay. I'm going to get to that. He was like, you want this shit? I'm like, well, I never heard it. Yeah. So he was like, here. Through the <laughs> album, he's like, here. And it's, it was your bum rush the show. Yeah. The album had not been released yet. Mm-hmm. It had not been released. He said, I know it's on that rap label you, you like and all that, Def Jam. So, here. I was like, okay. And the first thing I heard was Public Enemy. And I was like, yo, what the fuck is this? That's a crazy Because song. I knew the sample. I knew the sample. Really? I knew the sample. When I heard it, I'm like, oh, shit. Because I remember trying to do something with it, but... That. It's hard to do that because it's irritating and it's hard to catch the beat. Yeah. It's hard to catch that beat. It's hard to make it work for everybody. Dude, you know? when I heard that shit, I was like, what the fuck is this shit? And at the time, I was working at a skating rink. I was a skate guard and a DJ. Okay. So. How old were you? I want to say I was about 15, maybe. Yeah. About 15. Freshman in high school or something? Yeah, about 15. I was about 15. About 15. That's crazy. I, I had to be about 15 because I think that's the year that they dropped and the year that's the same year that Ultramagnetic dropped. That's another great, that's a legendary song right there. Right, Eagle Trip. Well, Magnetic. everybody calls it MC Ultra, but Eagle Trip. But, Magnetic, Magnetic. Right. When I, um, <clears throat> he gave me that shit, I was, I, I was like, yo, I'm taking this to the skating rink. I was like, yo, I'm going to play something. I said, yo, it's going to fuck y'all up. Wait, so you dropped... The public enemy joint at the skating ring before people even really nobody knew what it was. <laughs> you came through with the record and just played like everybody's like, "Oh, he bought." I just put it game. on. I just I was like, "That's crazy." And they were like, "My man, my man, my man, Gerald, and my man, um, one of my best friends, DJ Randy Flash, rest in peace." He was like, "Yo, what's that? What's that? Yo, play I would that, imagine play that shit again." <laughs> Play that shit again. Fucking head spinning. He's like, whoa, wait, wait a minute. So I mind you, I'm a skate guard. So I'm I'm skating and I'm DJing. Yeah. So I have to go back. They're like, play that shit again. So I'm like, I have to go back to the booth, put start the record over again. Only had one copy. (laughs) So going from that, my pop was like, Okay, like I said, I have we had records prior to everybody else. Two and three weeks up like and a month cool, earlier. Right. Whenever the shipment came in for them, right. And the cool thing about that is, the only people had the only, only other person who had those records were DJs, radio DJs. Yeah. So, if you were in a promo office, that's where all the new records came in, the make it or break it albums. Yeah. So, I got real cool with a guy named Dwight. Real cool guy, signature black guy, super dope afro, real cool glasses, <laughs> real deep voice, yeah, cool mustache and shit. Cigarettes. Cigarette, you know what I mean? <laughs> cool guy, real dope car, but really sharp. But f- he fucked with me because I knew the music. Yeah. So everybody, like, why does young kid know the music like this? He's like, but he's like, that's that's Big Kurt's kid. That's Big yeah, Kurt's kid. Yeah, so yeah. everybody knows. It's like, you know, what do you expect? That's that's Big Kurt's kid. You know what I'm saying? So, he so would just were, get he would just give me rap records. You just, were a presence in the deep cut scene before early. the deep cut scene was even a thing. That's why it's like for me knowing knowing the, all these samples and shit. Now, I had these records when I was a fucking kid. <laughs> like so, it's like you can't. It's, I'm not gonna say I know everything because I I really don't. It's too much to know. But for me, I was doing this shit before it was like the end thing to do. Yeah. You know, so like knowing samples and like cats give me titles and I appreciate them. Like that's the guru or they call me the human Google search. <laughs> like if somebody doesn't know a sample, like, yo, what's X, who, who, what's one mm. of the samples for X, Y, Z? And I can tell you most of the time, I most of the shit I know, 
A great deal of the stuff I do know. And a great deal of the stuff I own. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I've had them for a number of years. You know what I'm saying? And you take care. I'm from the way you talk about stuff. I imagine that you take really great care of like your records and your collection. I do. It's not just like you're I not do. beating your stuff up. I do, you. but I can get sloppy every now and again. Yeah. Because the the worst thing about the worst thing about me is like when I have to clean up, I do more messing up than cleaning up. <laughs> because I'll, I'll I'll say to myself, I'm going to put records away today. Yeah. I end up pulling more shit out. <laughs> so then you got like. 30 stacks over here that need to be put away but I done fucked up this whole side of the room yeah. with more records that I got so now I got 30 stacks over here and like 20 over here yeah. and I'm behind like a motherfucker you know what I'm saying but, but that, you're having a great time I'm though, having you. fun <laughs> dude right about if I wasn't doing this interview beer and records and the records yeah and probably a black exploitation film running on, on my fucking television with black the sound exploitation in. film you, know you ever saying? see that that movie Black Dynamite? What? It's a great movie. Great movie, great parody movie, and they it's did really, it so well. It's really on point. I think that movie was ahead of its time. They did it and so well. Really underrated. The thing is, you gotta know black exploitation films to appreciate that film, especially the really bad ones. Yeah, because the, there's some really because everybody gives Rudy Ray Moore his movies are really bad. Dolomite's yeah. movies were really bad, but there's movies like Mean Mother. That shit is terrible. <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck that is. Me Mother is terrible. It's a terrible fucking movie. I think the the guy who fucking is the star, he looks like Joe Simon, which is the ugliest motherfucking <laughs> music. But it, the guy looks like Joe Simon. It might be Joe Simon. I don't know. But there's a, a another movie called Candy Tangerine Man, who's a... He, he acts like he sells insurance, but he's a pimp by night. <laughs> Acting in this movie is horrible, but, but I, I love but I love it. I love the it. The plot doesn't make any sense. It has. It it's makes like no fucking sense. It makes no sense. Like some of the best black exploitation movies are the worst, but I buy them all. Yeah, my it's like my record collection and black exploitation collection are crazy. Are crazy because they it's 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 my it's it's my it's my youth. Yeah, they go hand in hand. It's my youth, like karate movies, that shit and shit like Jason and the Organauts. And old oh, Sinbad shit. movies, yeah. like that's that's the shit I watch. I watch that kind. Of, I'm a bizarre. You come to my crib, you that's probably go, you gonna see that shit, or you gonna see some real cool concert footage. Because I watch a lot of I watch a lot of concert a lot of live shows. I watch a lot of live shows, like mm. like from back then, uh, like like early '70s shit, like watching Cream perform in the '70s. Yo, that sounds insane. Yo. The first album I ever bought was uh, Led Zeppelin's The Song Remains the Same. It was like a double disc thing. And I didn't know that it was an actual movie. And I think around the time VH1 was digging deep into that. So then I right. like, I stayed up to like 2 a.m. one day because I didn't have DVR. And I watched The Song Remains the Same before school. And I was exhausted the next day. But it was so worth it because I was like, this is in- insane. Exactly. Mostly, you know why? <clears throat> the thing that really got me was uh, they were like one of the biggest bands at the time. This is the late 70s or whatever. They sold out Madison Square Garden, one of right. the first bands to really do that. For like three straight days, they sold it out. But all the performances, the crowd, were they were completely quiet. They sat and watched, eyes open. Like nobody was like trying to make it. They, nobody was trying to waste their experience. They was like, listen, this is a, a once-in-a-lifetime thing. This is the best band on the planet. I need to pay attention. Dude, one of the best bands. Like, And that goes back to my childhood. I was a weird fucking kid. Yeah. I was weird as shit, B. Like, and when I say weird, not like nerdy weird, because I was always cool as a motherfucker. Like, you got to be a cool motherfucker when you short as shit. <laughs> yeah. When you like super short and you dark skin. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, in the 70s or 80s, it wasn't cool to be a dark skin motherfucker. We talking about the era of the barge and the last dragon yeah, looking yeah. motherfuckers. Prince. Yeah. Prince, you got to be a light skin motherfucker. <laughs> so. Right. That's right. When we Mike even Mike was Mike, Mike was Mike was still a little. He was Mike, brown. Mike was brown. That's when he started. Mike to, was brown. He was brown. He was starting to lighten up real quick. He, he was, was brown. Like, What's going he was still around? brown. But you had to be a a funny motherfucker, a cool motherfucker, and tough. Yeah. So I'm short, but I can fight. I got a job. I'm in the third grade. We got a record store. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm in the third grade working at King James Records. You know That's what I'm saying? Crazy. So. 
I got a couple of dollars. Yeah, a little spending money. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, you fly. You, my, like, my, take my, care my, of yourself. I got yeah. my records. I'm funny as shit. And I'm pretty intelligent. And I can adapt in any situation you put me in. So, what the bizarre part of me came from, my pop used to be like, what the fuck is wrong with him? That's Like, my dad never really, my pop never hit me. My pop never hit me. My mom fucked me up in a heartbeat. Yeah. Pop never put his hand, because my pop whole thing was like, he ruled with fear. But it wasn't like I was scared of him. The fear came out of respect. Yeah, yeah. So it was a thing like, I don't want to disappoint this dude. Like, you know what? <clears throat> I'm going to think twice because he may fuck me up. So I ain't going to do that. <laughs> I ain't going to do that. I, I would think before yeah. I would do some stupid shit. My mom, oh, that's just mom. I'm going to try her. And yeah, she, yeah. I, yeah, whatever. She, she's going to forgive me. She, exactly. She'll beat me the fuck up, but she'll forgive me. Still make you dinner and my stuff. My dad, he would just look at me. Everything with my father was a question. fuck is wrong with you, bro? <laughs> I like that. You trying to get fucked up? You trying to get knocked the fuck out? The fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> like, you want a box? Oh, motherfucker, you want a box? If that was it, everything was a question. Yes or no? Nah. And that was it. It was never that. You did it. My pop never. All he ever used to say to me was like, "Yo, the fuck is wrong with you? What the fuck is wrong with this kid?" He would get mad because I wouldn't go outside. I didn't want to go outside. You was too, too deep in. With I the wanted to perfect that DJ shit. Hmm. That's all I wanted to do. I would get up. And he didn't want you to be a DJ, you said. No, did not want me to be a DJ. What did he want you to do, you think? He wanted me to do anything but that. Because he didn't want me to go through the get hardships. Get a job or something, yeah. He didn't want me to go through the hardships and, you know, getting jerked. Or anybody doing something to his son where he was going to have to pull his pistol out. Or my yeah. mom had to do it. They had to go ride out together and go fuck somebody up over their kid. I'm, I'm like, I'm their only kid. So his whole thing was protecting me. You know what I'm saying? Because my father was disappointed a lot throughout the music business. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he didn't want me to go through that. Especially in the era when, like, <clears throat> when he was coming up, a lot of great acts were getting jerked. Getting jerked like shit. So like, he knew the business. Left and right. And he knew everybody. Like, can you imagine coming home from your your great-grandmother's house with your mom? It's after school. She picks me up from my great-grandmother's regular routine. You come home and fucking... Max Roach is at your fucking dining room table. Are you serious? I bullshit you not. <laughs> just drinking a cup of coffee. Just... Sitting there eating dinner, talking to my grandmother, my father, and I'm like, oh shit, that's fucking Max Roach. Best story. And I tell I told this story once on um online. The illest shit I and I remember this to this day. Came home once again with my mom, went down to the basement to see my dad. I see my uncle Wesley's car is outside. Go down to the basement. See them downstairs, they drink a beer. Who's in the fucking basement? Gil Scott Heron. Are you serious? I put this on every record I own and all my children. Damn. And I don't, and I don't fuck around with my kids or my records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Two this is some, real, this some real shit. So I'm sitting there. Now, mind you, this is when we used to come in like the envelopes. Okay. I used to sell, they used to call them like dollar joints. So they used to roll joints like thin as a blade of grass. You know what I'm saying? But that shit would get you fucked up. So I'm saying, I'll go downstairs. Now, the thing about that is Gil Scott Heron went to school with my dad. Not, not my dad, I'm sorry. I went to college with my uncle. So they were really good friends. He's there. I'm like, that's Gil Scott Heron. That shit's crazy. So I'll go over, and, you know, my Uncle Wesley introduces me. And I said, you the inner bottle man, ain't you? <laughs> Wait, and how old were you? My mom was six. Damn. About six. Maybe six or seven. I said, you're in the bottle, man, ain't you? And he started laughing. like, said, yeah, that's right, little brother. And I said, can I ask you, I said, can I ask you a question? I said, can I ask you a question? He said, sure. And I was at my dad, and I looked at him. And I said, why are you mad at the whitey on the moon? Oh, and he thought that was the funniest <laughs> shit ever. Because first of all, what does a seven-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old kid know about Whitey on the Moon? Now, if you're if you're familiar with Gil Scott Heron's music, he wrote a poem poem called Whitey on the Moon. Okay, yeah. And my father used to play a lot of stuff like that, Last Poets. So I was like heavy into everything. So like my conscience was all about that because you know, Islam. We read, I read everything. 
he schooled me on everything because my father was just like he would he was a read everything. Yeah. So a discussion with him would be incredible because he was so advanced on everything because he was like I want to I want to know everything because I don't want to debate. I want to learn. So if you're about the Kabbalah shit, I want to learn about that. So if it's a conversation comes, I, I'm familiar. So my father had me deep into that. Not just, you know, be proud of your heritage. Be proud of who you are. But ain't no color. I I, I, I link with everybody. Sorry about that. I know I keep banging this shit. Man. It's yeah. so fucking low. Really, really quick. Can we take a break really quick? You got I pee? Rush from yeah, I got to pee. You got pee. I knew it. Chillin'. <laughs> <laughs> Chillin' and healing, gorgeous smoke.